0: Hello and a very warm welcome to BrailleCast A podcast keeping its finger on the world's favourite tactile reading system Coming up... This was an upward writing A whole new turnaround
1: in how Braille was produced As you wrote your shopping list and you got distracted You could actually go back and actually read what you'd last written Without having to take the paper out, turn it over and then sliding
0: it back inside the machine. Perk Up Your Perkins was an event hosted by the Bristol Brailleists at the end of September. We learn how to take care of the venerable Perkins Brailler and also discover the history of Braille writing equipment.
1: I'm Alan Thorpe. We're here with Sandra Brasher. We come from ICANN, our own social enterprise type business. We're both registered blind and we've come down to Bristol to actually service and repair braille machines and and an exhibition of old braille writing equipment. Normally people, organisations, individuals will send machines to us through the post using the articles for the blind free post service. We service them and send them back through the same service back to the individuals. Occasionally we go out to venues. So, for example, some schools have said in the past, oh, we've got eight or nine machines. Can you actually come here and service them? Tell people a little bit
2: about Perkins Braille.
1: Perkins Brailler Perkins seem to have been the most common braille machine produced in the last 50-plus years. Some people have said, are they over-engineered? I don't necessarily think they are. They are well-engineered, because as visually impaired people, we will walk down a corridor and bump it into a doorway. I've known people drop them downstairs, and the machines still keep working. So whereas some of the older prototype machines, they weren't as robust. Perkins are pretty much the only company I'm aware of which are producing manual braille writing machines. There are many electronic ones, electronic note-takers, braille displays and things being produced by a whole range of different companies, but the actual mechanical, physical, putting a sheet of paper in, pressing some keys and getting a result of a phone number, a shopping list or whatever coming out of the Perkins is, is still the only one. The classic Perkins, which is the big old metal one, is my favourite to work on. The older, the better. The newer classics, so certainly the ones made since the 80s and 90s, where they've all got nice fancy colours on them, you can tell um, the materials they've used are perhaps a bit cheaper, softer metals, um, they're not as forgiving. Whereas the the older machines, I don't think there was any expense spared in in how they worked, and you can use them. Put line line a couple up on a table and move from one to the other, and you can feel some are so so loose, but precise in what they're doing. Where the newer ones are woolly, you can press them, and it it just doesn't feel as though it's gone home properly.
2: Mm-hmm. Are there any? tips or pointers you can give people to keeping their perkins braille in a good healthy condition if
1: you have a dust cover for your machine keep it on it it does stop a lot of the natural dust if you're a guide dog owner it does stop some of the dog fluff getting in there if something starts to not work get it looked at because if you still keep using it it can lead to wear on more expensive parts and occasionally needing to replace the machine. Keep it out of the direct sun Um, and don't let your little ones use the slot at the back as a little letterbox because we found all sorts of things in there from hairbands, Lego bricks, pens, pencils, drawing pins, um, parts of a broken drinking glass and, and all sorts of different bits including money we found pound coins in one of them
2: um, Alan, what are the most common faults that you have to fix when the
1: Perkinses arrive at your house? they didn't have the problem when it was posted and that's people not packaging them right and the postman in his hurry knocks over a box drops a box and the end roller knobs been smashed. Mm -hmm. These are the plastic knobs that you wind the paper in with. They are. So one advice if you are sending one anywhere to be repaired get a length of bubble wrap, wrap it round and round your hand making a donut type thing and tape it over each end of the roller knobs. That protects it. Mm -hmm. Why they actually come to us can be a, a range of different things from broken springs Things being dropped in them so they're jammed. Because if you get a pencil dropped into the mechanism at the back and it actually just jams in there, you cannot move the, the embossing head left or right. Build-up of dust over years. Perkins do have oil and bits of grease in them and dust and things. Even just the natural dust off new paper in the machines and it just makes it like a thick glue so the carriage will not slide across nicely sometimes dots are not quite as sharp as they used to be so we can adjust to make some of those read better so sandra what's your part in this operation
2: well, at home, I'm um, usually just the general secretary, help out. Um, but Alan's trained me up um, to help him do the Perkins servicing, so it means we can we can do more at once. So um, he has me taking them taking them apart, and uh, Alan does the more more complicated repairs on them. Sure, and I've noticed during this event that you've had a bit of a production line going, really, haven't you? You've been taking the bottoms off and various components off and then Alan's been doing the the more detailed work perhaps that's right that's right so yeah I'll, I'll do all the uh, taking the screws out so because there's there's lots of screws to,
1: to be able to take them apart yeah I have to keep very very organized yeah well you've, you've yeah. done a great job between the two of you yeah. and the uh, other thing what Sandra does is actually take all the uh, machines after the postman's delivered them in his van Sandra takes them in her shopping trolley back to the post office. Brilliant, so she's a bit of a pack horse. Oh, she's definitely <laughs> a pack horse. They're taking two or three Perkins on a shopping trolley back mm. to the post office. is no mean task, right. but nearly seven kilos of machine. Exactly, they are heavy, heavy devices. As long as I don't look like a pack horse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're at the RNIB centre in Bedminster, Bristol, where we're holding an event called Perk Up Your Perkins. And I'm here with Alan and Sandra from Sheffield, who are doing the Perkins clean and servicing element for this event. And alongside that, there is a mini exhibition of mostly mechanical braille writing machinery, from ranging from hand frames, through Stainsby machines, machines, Eric's, shorthand machines, right through to Perkins. And we've even got an electronic
1: version of the Perkins called the Smart Brailler. Many of them are German, so the the blister type writers, the Marburg writers. I have... I brought a a moon writer, which created quite a bit of an interest as an alternative tactile form of writing. There were hand machines, there were machines with Fixed embossing heads, there are some which had moving embossing heads. A fixed embossing head, the paper works on a carriage like an old fashioned typewriter. So the whole carriage and the paper moves backwards and forwards. Where a moving embossing head, the paper is still, but it's the, the bit that actually produces a braille, moves across the page. The oldest machine i brought is a hall that's h a l l writer said to be from the 1880s it has a wooden spindle uh, for wrapping the um, paper around and a proper heavy cast iron body it moves just like the old conventional typewriter with a carriage that moves from left to right there has been some miniature, so the Mini Pict, which is a card index braille writer, some tape uh, braille writers. So instead of actually writing on a sheet of paper, it's a long thin roll, a bit like a bus ticket, primarily used as shorthand machines. So when you're taking memos and things from your boss, your line manager, whatever and you went back to actually type that memo up. It was just on a long continuous line so you didn't keep losing your place on the page. So Alan, what's this particular machine we've got in front of us at the moment? This is a Stainsby. It is made up of three, three separate parts. We have a board with a series of holes drilled down the left-hand side and the right-hand side. We have a paper clamp. At the top, which locates into a set of locating holes, and the paper is inserted into it, and the paper actually slides between the parts of the actual embossing head. So, unlike a typewriter, the paper is laying flat on a board.
2: Yes. With the embossing head, which moves up and down the board, well, it moves across the paper to emboss the brow, and then it moves up and down to make the new lines. The paper stays still and you move the embossing head.
1: Yes, you you, you have to physically lift the embossing head part of the mechanism to actually slide it down to the next set of holes. And
2: let's hear what it sounds
1: like. So I'm just writing my name on here now. But have you noticed it's on your right and slowly moving to the left? Exactly. Because it's punching the dots downwards. Because so this is the downward writer. So it's a downward writer, and
2: I can't actually read the brow that I'm producing because the mechanism is over the top of it. Yes. And also it's writing, it's, it's
1: embossing the dots into the paper rather than pushing them up towards me. They don't seem to be as many around now, but lots of people remember using them when they were at school, college and and different things. I personally like these machines because there's less to go wrong. There's new hidden parts. There's only a very small number of springs and they are quite portable. This is on a big board which measures mm, 12 inches by 14, give or take. There is a smaller version which would be um, 7 inches by 12, but you can actually put it into a bag and carry it around and take it from one lecture to another, be able to take it away with you on holiday, and it doesn't actually weigh too much, not like taking your Perkins. So it's considerably less than the Perkins. Considerably. <laughs> I also like them, and I've recommended that these are used in third world countries. Because they are separate components, they're quite simple to actually repair and get somebody local to actually manufacture new bits. So this is an aluminium backing board, but there's no reason why one of these could be made out of a piece of plywood. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as somebody there has got one as a template just to drill out the holes in the same dimensions. And there's nothing as simple as a piece of board um, as opposed to having to have a machine to make new component parts for inside a Perkins. Exactly. So
2: do you think this Stainsby machine has any future in terms of a, 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 a new version or a, a mark whatever it is stands to be for, for the developing world? Do you, do you I,
1: I, would, I would like to think it would, but in real terms, I don't think it ever will because we've now gone to the electronic type braillers, mm-hmm. uh, embossers, note-takers and things. So even the third, third world want to be in with the latest technology, uh, mm-hmm. even though they have problems charging those devices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody would really invest in a, in a company in making the tooling to actually start producing these again, which is a real shame. Moving on from the Stainsby, then became the Pike Glouser. That's the machine I was really interested in. Now, th- this is a bit of a hybrid because it still works like a Stainsby where you have a board with drilled holes and you move a piece of the machine up and down to each different level with the pint glauser the actual embossing frame stops where it is but you actually move the paper up by lifting out a paper clamp and moving it up to the next set of holes but this was an upward writing a whole new turnaround in how Braille was produced because as you wrote your shopping list and you got distracted, you could actually go back and actually read what you'd last written without having to take the paper out, turn it over, and then sliding it back inside the machine. Mm. And the thing that interests me about both the
2: Stainsby and the Pike Glauser is that you can write on both sides of the paper, which
1: you can't do in the Perkins. In theory, so you, you can um, right on both sides with the Perkins but uh, it's best not to because with with the stains band the pike closet, the paper's in a clamp and you can reverse the clamp over and because of how its pegs are located you're doing what is called interpointed braille mm. so you're not actually squashing the dots on the opposite side of the page but with the Perkins you do have that real risk of actually squashing down on one side what you've written on the other. Exactly. Very rarely, though, does it happen because you take a piece of writing out of a Perkins try putting it back in to actually correct a mistake. You can never line it up. Sure. So the chance of it being on the other side are quite slim. But it is right. Um, it, you do have that risk and, and maybe use more paper. Generally
2: Germany, I think people... And not to we use do. both sides unless they're really short of paper yes, for that yeah. reason yeah. very much so yeah. so I'm now with Clifford who lives near to the RNIB in Bristol and Clifford has been helping with the Perk Up Your Perkins event over the last two days Clifford what have you been doing over the last two days? I've been
1: uh, showing and demoing my uh, new smart Perkins brailler uh, Next Generation 2, I've been, I've showed about 13 people how to use it and how it works, and it speaks to you. It, it, uh, it says
2: every word you print, it, it stores files for you in your own files,
1: and, uh, you can also print your files so a teacher can read from, uh, you, on the, what you've printed, even though it's in, you've printed it in braille, You know, it get printed in print for you. I think Braille is massively important for a person's independence. There's nothing better than being able to go to the CD rack, which you've previously Brailled up all your albums and different things, and actually go and get your own CD. You've been able to go and select it yourself rather than actually having to ask a sighted partner. Likewise, labelling things up in the kitchen. All this talking technology, such as a pen friend, for example, is fine. But if you've got your hands caked in flour and margarine and stuff, because you're making a cake or something, you really don't want to spread margarine all over your pen friend. But if you've got a white clean vinyl braille label on your flour or even your recipe book, It's so much more usable and it's there. You're not halfway through it and the batteries go flat. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Yes, you can actually include more information using an audio labeler but sometimes it's just too too cumbersome. You're running your fingers across all the herbs and spices and you don't have to put the whole thing of oregano. You can make your own code up as to what that means. And people that... Use
2: the old well I call them Dymo machines the, the tape writer yep. where you use pick a few letters off a cylinder and turn it round and make the old um, Scotch made, used to make one as well um, would, would do that quite a lot I think by, by force of habit you know we got into the habit of using our tape very economically because it was quite expensive and also it took a long time to produce each character at a time
1: so you would shorten everything really I think you did and Dependent on the size of the item you're labelling and how much information you wanted. Yeah, I I do that on
2: my CDs. I don't put the whole blurb. I just put Elton for
1: Elton John, John something like that. Because you've got nothing else what starts with And then maybe an abbreviation of the album name. Yes. And, yeah, conserving the tape. But the tape, yes, it is expensive, but how much independence is it giving you? Absolutely. How much time of somebody else's are you saving? Mm-hmm. And like yourselves, with Hazel, myself and Sandra, we haven't got a sighted member of the family living there. No. We, we have to do everything. We, we need to label all the things. So. so
2: you often hear people talking about independence, and that's very important. But I prefer the word control, and I think Brow gives you control over your own life. You don't have, you have the option of doing things for yourself. So you can ask for help if you need it, but if you don't want it or don't need it, you can do it yourself. It's just about having that ability to run your own life and not have to
1: ask everything you want every time. And likewise, just taking a message, a telephone number from a telephone conversation. Oh, sorry, Sandra's out. Give me your number. And we can ring your bike.
2: Exactly. All
1: right. With sometimes with modern technology, we don't have to do that. because We can do last number called and, and different things. But just that whole thing writing down an appointment time. Well, what, or what something. I find really good about writing brow telephone numbers
2: is if I'm on the phone to somebody else and they say to me, "What's Alan's number?" Yeah, it's much easier for me to flick pages in a brow address book and read it with one hand, while I'm holding the phone and carrying on the conversation, Definitely. Much easier than trying to open up a file on a computer and have it read by a synthetic voice. Voice.
1: And you're listening to the phone and listening to the the screen reader, whatever you're using. And so, yeah, yeah, you you can actually focus much better.
2: Brow is such an empowering medium. And I think the more we can do to, to share that knowledge and enthusiasm, and to make sure that Browl keeps going and other people can benefit from it into the future is really important. And obviously it's a joy to share that enthusiasm with people who are of like mind. So thank you for trekking down hundreds of miles across the country to be with us in Bristol for the last two days.
0: Paul Sullivan ending that report from the Perk Up Your Perkins event in Bristol. If you'd like to find out more about Alan Thorpe and the services offered by ICANN, you can visit them on the web at ICANN.org.uk, and iCan is spelled E-Y-E-C-A-N. You can, of course, find out more about Perkins from Perkins.org, and if you'd like to connect with the Brailleists community of Braille enthusiasts, you can visit Brailleists.org. If you have suggestions or feedback about BrailleCast, don't forget, of course, you can write to us, news at braillecast.com, or connect with us on Twitter at BrailleCast. I'm Dave Williams, and until next time, thanks for listening, and on behalf of all the team, bye for now.